Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Welcome back. Today, we're going to talk about advisory boards, folks that can help you keep your sanity, people who need to be there for you to make sure that you're running your business like a business. Your support team. (laughs) Carrie, why don't you start us off with some examples and your programs of different versions of support teams that you have used depending on the structure of your program at that time. Okay. So back eons ago, when I opened my first program, I had... I was a corporation, so I had my board of directors, which was three people who I didn't really do a whole lot with. But what I really used was my, who I called my panel of experts in my head. But when I talked to parents, I would say, I need to take that to the board. Frequently, I would say, I need to take things to the board. And they didn't know if I met my advisory board or my board of directors, because I did not feel confident in the early days saying no to people. And it was much easier to say I'm going to take it to the board and if the board was the you know the other investors in my company or whether the board was talking to an attorney or a bookkeeper or a medical expert those were my board of my support board so why were you not okay so so why were you not comfortable telling people no I mean I realized that you started your first program a long time ago what do you think was the key factor for you not wanting to tell people well, one no? of the issues is I was 23 years old or 22 years old. So I was not very old. So I didn't have a whole lot of experience telling people, no, I could not expect accept partial payment or no, I couldn't accept X, Y, or Z, whatever the thing was that, that they were wanting, or I couldn't pay them more or whatever. So it was partly to help me feel comfortable taking some time to really think about what they were asking as opposed to giving a knee-jerk yes or a knee-jerk no. So I used it for that a lot. But I also used it to help me plan, you know, I to do my business plan when I first started my business and to review my business plan every year. I would do that in conjunction with conversations with my attorney, with the person who set up my books and who did my annual taxes for the business and with the medical professionals that I had put on my board. So it does sound like we definitely have a a whole topic here just on um, business plans. So we're not going to go there today Uh, because we know that Kate can do that for about eight hours. So right now I want to talk a little bit about, so when you talk about board of directors, I want to make sure that we're clear that there are two different types of board of directors. Those of you who currently work for a church or some other nonprofit with a 501c3 designation from the IRS, you have a board of directors and they are responsible for the fiscal wealth fair of your program and for the governance. They are not responsible for day-to-day operations, so make sure you understand that. Or at least they should not be legally. (laughs) Yes, and they understand. Then you have a board of directors within a corporation, and depending on the size, the number of investors you have, this could be three people at the minimum, but it could be a much larger number depending on if you have stockholders. So again, if you're coming from a different formatted organization. When we talk about a board... I often encourage folks to have an advisory board, which Carrie also used. And so 
just kind of going back to what Carrie said, she has somebody who sets up her books. Now, this could be a CPA, it could be an accountant, or it could be a bookkeeper. There is usually somebody with a legal background in, you might have a couple of different attorneys. You might have somebody who is an attorney specifically related to contract. You might have a real estate attorney. Okay, so. hang on. I want to stop before we go too far down this because I can see people's eyes glazing over as we're talking because they're like, I don't have money for all of that. I can't be paying a lawyer and a bookkeeper and a chicken and a, a doctor and a nurse and a public health advisor. So does this cost, I mean, I I didn't pay for most of those except for somebody to set up my uh, corporate structure because I had a lot of network and, you know, me and you, we grew up with parents who were business owners. So we had, let's say, adults, adultier adults who kind of took pity on us and would help us. So how do people get that? Maybe you didn't you have can. any adulty adults who, who you could use as part of your consult free consultants? I would say that when I started, the first thing I did was I went to the SBA and to SCORE. Although my parents and, and siblings and aunts and uncles were all business owners, this my businesses were very different True. structures. Um, they bought franchises. They followed a guidebook. <laughs> so And they didn't really network. They, were, they, they knew their business and they knew their business well. Coming into this industry as a registered family home with a brand new infant, I quickly found the small business development centers, the SBA and SCORE volunteers, and actually got so excited by working with them that I eventually became a small business analyst with the, you know, everybody's path takes a different turn, but mine was entirely starting as a regular family home and knowing that I wanted to treat it so like So I just wanted to make sure before, you know, because you and I can talk all day about, you know, these people, but if we can't explain how you can get those people on your advisory board without spending money that they don't have because so many programs are on a shoestring especially when they open how do we have but that's when you really need the advisors <laughs> so Absol absolutely. So during your startup phase, hopefully you have been given some advice somewhere to at least meet with a banker. So from starting with your banker, etc., always ask them for referral. And when you sit down with somebody the first time or you call them, ask them if they have 15 minutes that they can give you free. Always ask if there's a fee. Don't just assume one way or the other. But be courteous as far as valuing their time um, because if they do donate some time to you, understand that that means that they weren't working on somebody who was going to pay them. So again, in a startup situation, hopefully in your startup budget, you've also allocated for professionals because you don't want to sign your first lease without having somebody who actually understands commercial leases review it with you. And so that could be a friend. I mean, Carrie brought up a good point that these don't have to be professionals. They could be friends who maybe done it before. So that can be in a mentorship role. I strongly encourage encourage you to make sure that you have somebody review your facility lease before you sign it. Um, you might even put some provisions in leases to make sure that, you know, if what happens if your facility doesn't cover licensing because it's too big and all of a sudden you need a fancy sprinkler system. So you need to make sure that all of that's clear as far as who all of a sudden pays for that. Now, again, we can talk about that all day, but here we're trying to talk about that team. So the startup team, although we would love for you to be able to have money in your budget to hire a professional to be there for you, we recognize that some 
sometimes passion is what got you started. And so that's what you're really excited about. And you may not have thought about even a startup budget. So you kind of start. Okay. So what about those people? Because a lot of the directors, you know, are going into a center that's up and running. What if there's not already an advisory board? How do they get one? And how do they even know what I mean, I knew what I needed. But that's because I knew a lot about business. And I knew a lot about myself personally, when I opened, we've said that they need to have somebody who has a some sort of an accounting background and somebody who has some sort of legal background and somebody who has some sort of medical background. Are there other kinds of people that in your various businesses or the centers that you have mentored through the years, are there other kinds of people you want on that team? So me personally, and we talked um, in previous episodes about leadership styles. So I personally would want somebody who is going to be my, my business coach. And a business coach can do a couple of different things. They might be there in an advisor capacity, but they could also be there to literally help you talk things through. Uh, I strongly advise and encourage people to have a business coach. They can be specifically childcare. Those are roles that, for example, both Carrie and I have played over the years, but there are other people who are just traditional business coach. The biggest reason for a business coach is if you are in a couple situation, um, I kind of feel like you need one to make sure that you're not always trying to use your your partner, whether it's spouse or, or even just a friend. That person may always try to fix things for you instead of just letting you talk things through. So make sure you have somebody who's got your back who you can vent My to. My husband got so um, tired of hearing about the center. So tired. Even when he was working in the business with me, he was like, can we talk about anything else? So yeah, so we have that opportunity. Another one is like, Carrie, I know you parent advisory boards a lot. I would think that that in some some programs, depending on the demographics of your program, might be a great way to start. And you could start those immediately and those don't cost anything. So yes, I had parent advisory boards at different centers at different times. I didn't do anything all the time because the culture of your program changes and the needs of your program change. Parent advisory boards or some programs call them a PTO or, or whatever. Again, it depends. Depends on the program. I was in one nonprofit where that was our managing board was two staff members and four parents and one member of the hosting organization, the organization that covered our our rent. And that was a very interesting board. <laughs> but most of the time, the parent advisory boards was just a group of parents, one from each classroom that met at least once a quarter and, you know, planned out events that were coming up talked about what was going on with enrollment, gave me ideas of things, gave me ideas of things to try, helped me with my marketing, helped me to reach out, create packets to give to the currently enrolled families so that they could share the information with their friends and family. They helped when I had I had a staff member <laughs> say that I was, you know, make accusations against me and I took it immediately to the board and I said, this is what that person said. What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? I also talked to the lawyer, but first I talked to the parent advisory board because one of the advantages of a parent advisory board is that they hear the gossip that is going on amongst your clients and they can nip that stuff in the bud. I love parent advisory boards. 
Yeah, so it sounds like, I mean, if I'm if I'm understanding correctly, some organizations and some child care centers might have several groups that folks can lean on. So, you know, again, we've talked about creating your executive team, and this would be you. It would be an owner, if perhaps you're a director who is not an owner, and then your administrative staff. It could be true administrative staff, assistant directors, and we've talked in the past previous podcasts about having those people be with different leaders leadership styles. So you've got your executive team that that handles operations and you have a parent advisory board. You have an advisory board and then you might even have a corporate or nonprofit director. Now, I am sure that those of you who are listening are thinking, I can't keep track of my staff and my kids and my parents, let alone also try to keep track of all the meetings with all these people. And I just want to make sure that we kind of stress that especially with your quote unquote advisory board, those folks are people that is when you need them. They don't come together quarterly like perhaps a parent board or monthly like perhaps a nonprofit board. These are entirely folks who, if you are having a banking issue, you go to your banker who might be on your advisory board. If your landlord says that you now have to pay a certain expense, but you are pretty sure that the way the lease read, it was a different way. So at that point in time, you might find there a real estate person or an attorney that's familiar with that kind of And work. sometimes even your bank banker can help with that. That's one that the banker can jump in because they deal with probably hundreds of different businesses that have had different things with different landlords. But I really like the idea of a commercial realtor also because realtors were always part of my advisory crew. Yeah, the beautiful thing about both realtors and bankers is they are traditionally folks who are professionals, who deal with a lot of different types of businesses, who don't charge consulting most of the time. So the best way to establish a relationship with your banker, though, is to make sure that you go in and physically make your deposits and you wave hi to your banker. So when you say banker, are you talking about the person at the drive-thru? Oh, no. <laughs> See, here's, a, here's one Good of those point. things where you and I know what we're talking about, but I'm not sure other people know what we're talking about. Okay, so how do you establish a business banker? So when you opened your business account, you probably did not do that through the drive-thru. You probably did not do that at the teller. You probably sat in a little space in a little cubby or a little office with somebody to open your checking account. Now, hopefully you had some conversation and hopefully they asked questions so that you were put into the right banking account, right? So how much money, how many transactions, what kind of Okay, but again, what about the programs that are already up and running? So if you are a program that's already up and running, have that conversation with the owner and uh, find out who do they bank with. Ask them who their personal banker is. And if they don't know, suggest that perhaps y'all go and find one. And um, at the bank that you opened your bank with. um, So don't try to get a personal banker at a credit union if your money is all at a big bank. This is also why you probably want to make sure that you have your savings accounts, your checking accounts, and even... um, any corporate credit cards, all with the same institution, so that you have one point of contact. And again, yes, Carrie mentioned that to us this seems simple, or it makes some sense, but hopefully you don't see bankers as scary. I know that there are some people who see them as scary or intimidating, because if you need a loan or a line of credit, that's who you have to go to. That's also why you need to establish a relationship with them. So go in and talk to them. It doesn't have to be every day, but at least once a month. And, you know, when you're making deposits or 
or even if you're just taking out a little bit of petty cash, go in, give yourself an excuse to go inside, wave hello, talk to them a little bit, let them know business is going get well. Get a lollipop. Or call them. Yeah, get a <laughs> lollipop. Or call them, and especially if things aren't going well. If you have any sort of natural disaster or something that's happened, in reality, the banker probably ought to be your second or third call after perhaps insurance and, and landlord or property owner or however your arrangement is followed by your banker because you want them involved as quickly as possible because they may be able to give you a bridge loan which would be you know say a tree fell on your building not that I know anything about that Uh, (laughs) but if a tree fell on your building and the landlord was being slow to pay somebody to come out and cut down the tree and to fix the roof maybe you could get a bridge loan a short-term loan that doesn't have a high interest rate to cover the expenses for a week so that you can make you know rent another space for that week while they fix the roof in the building because you can do that you can move your center for a week you just notify licensing say this is an emergency we're relocating to the church down the street and they will give you an emergency waiver because they don't want you operating in a child care center without a functional roof and so if you tell them you've got that problem frequently they will come to you and go do you need like five thousand dollars to help you bridge this gap and you say yes I would thank you very much and <laughs> but if you don't have that relationship they're not going to make that offer you know my my lawyer not my lawyer, my banker and I have a great relationship and you know, he goes out of his way to get me the money I need when I need it for a price I can pay. Where when I didn't have a good relationship with a banker, I got whatever the underwriters decided I got as far as a loan payment and an interest rate. My current banker has twice gotten me a half a percent lower than what the underwriting committee wanted because he knew me and he knew that my business was sound. So it really does sound like one of the things that we've talked a lot um, in our courses is that communication is really key. And the more proactive you can be in your communication with your business professional, your advisory board, the better. So hopefully you have enjoyed and hopefully we've answered some questions related to boards and different professionals. We definitely could do three or four podcasts on how to use different professionals, but hopefully we've kind of given you a little bit of an insight on why to have different types of groups to give you input and that you are not in this business all by yourself. You are there with your staff, your parents, you are there to uh, serve your community. Real quick before we end this, I totally forgot and I can't believe neither one of us said this. Chambers of Commerce organizations as yep. well as uh, women's networking, business networking group. You might be the only child care center in that uh, women's business networking group. Now I'm not talking about a referral group, not somebody that you have to come to every meeting with three business referrals and vice versa. I'm talking about literally a group of women that get together for lunch once a month and they learn some. This might be a great place for you to start to find those professionals. But it also reminds you that you are a professional. You are not not important. You are a business owner or a business manager and you have every right to dress up and go to lunch and rub elbows other business And if you live in a town and you can't find one, I suggest you go ahead and start it. Doesn't take a whole lot of work. It's 
it's, you know, an hour and a half once a month that you're putting in to have the meeting and you can work with three other women and you rotate who is coming up with the speaker for a month. So everybody only does it four times a year. I think it's a great thing to do. And if you really get stuck, give us a call and we'll help you get started. Or maybe we'll know of some in your area. All right. Look forward to talking to you. If you learned anything, please share this with your friends and colleagues. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director where we continue to have seminars, licensing, programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.